uh, as, you, as you no doubt noticed when we did this during the welcome, Romans 12.1 is quite the verse. And there's a lot, of, a lot of big words. This one, I think I, I, I take away like a total of 15 words this time. Some of them is a lot less than that. Uh, it's okay. That's why we do this repetitive process, this exercise, taking away these words. Let's go ahead. Let's look at Romans 12.1 together, and let's, let's say this together. Recite it with me, if you will. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. All right, let's take away a few. I'm going to try to leave some of the bigger ones for next time. Let's say this again together, shall we? And let's fill in the blanks. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is spiritual service of worship. Ooh, ooh, that's, that's daunting, isn't it? All right. <laughs> Here we go. One more time. Uh, say it with me. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. All right, I didn't see too many people using the cheat notes, so that's good. I don't know that I saw anybody doing it, so I hope I don't put an idea in your mind for next week. But uh, Romans 12.1. And really, 12.2 comes along with it. Romans 12.1, though, is such a, uh, an important idea as believers. Uh, You've got to understand that the, the first 11 chapters of Romans have, have recapped God's creation of us, our rebellion against Him, the fact that we are all sinners, that we live by grace, that we live by uh, faith, and our faith is counted as righteousness like Abraham. And on and on through, even looking at you know, those who refuse to follow and believe in Jesus and what's going to happen to them, all culminating with the hope that is in Jesus for the future that uh, verse 36 of Romans 11 says, from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. And then, Paul says, therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, it's always good to say, what's the therefore, therefore. And I, I think is based on looking at what God has done. Looking at what He continues to do. Looking at what He will do in the future. Our hope in Him. Therefore, brethren. Paul is saying, and this is why this is a good verse to do right after Easter. Based on the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Based on the fact that He rose again. And because He is living today, He gives us the opportunity, the ability to believe in Him and to have forgiveness of our sins and to have hope of the resurrection. Because of that, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living 
holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And from 12.1 on, Paul starts talking about how do we live as believers together? How do we live as believers within the world? It begins with this idea of presenting our bodies to God, living and holy sacrifice. That we would present ourselves. When, when you see a, bodies in this context, he's not just talking about our, our physical being or our bodies. The imagery, the imagery is of, of a sacrifice from the Old Testament where you would take a lamb or you would take the duck, you would take an ox even or a cow and you would butcher it. You would kill it. And you would put it on an altar and you would burn it up. You would place its body. But what does a body represent but our life? Our wholeness. Everything. When he says to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, dualism here. God can have my body, I get to keep my brain or my, my thought life. No. He's saying present your entire self to God as a living and a holy sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. Not, not one that's killed and put on the altar, but living. In other words, every day, throughout the days, that a sacrifice that, that is active and that is set apart, it's holy to God. Now, what does, he, what does he mean that by that? Does he mean that we have to give up everything and go and, and, and try to find some way of serving God? Is that what he's saying? That we, we need to give up our bodies, that we need to go and, and expose ourselves to hardship for Him and sacrifice on His behalf. Is that what Paul's getting at? Not based on the rest of Romans. No, the, the idea of we don't need to make a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus has already done that. When he's talking about living our lives or presenting our lives as a holy sacrifice to God, he's talking about that we would give ourselves to him. And the last word in this verse, uh, your, your spiritual service of worship. Worship. Remember what we look at last week that from the Westminster Confession that the, the, the chief end of human, humanity, the chief end of man is to uh, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our, our highest purpose is focused on Him, to glorify Him and enjoy Him. I think what Paul is saying here when he says that he urges us to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice is that we would live in such a way that every day we present ourselves to God for His glory, for, for His purposes. That, that we would live our life, live your life as worship to God. That, that every aspect of your life would be lived in worship, as worship to God. And, and I don't mean that we live our lives going about worshiping Him, like you have to have a song in your heart all the time, or that you need to, you know, everything has to be brought back to glorifying God for it. I remember as a kid, there was a TV show coming out of Oklahoma called The Gospel Bill Show. And, you know, a character would walk in and say, oh, Gospel Bill, it's such a beautiful day, isn't it? And Gospel Bill would come back with a, yes, but did you thank God for it? <laughs> it's like, wow, thanks for raining on my parade, Gospel Bill, with your overtly forceful, you know, fundamentalist view of life that I have to thank God if I, I've failed somehow, if I haven't. No, worshiping God 
as an act of your life, that you would live your life as worship. You always have to be worshiping Him. Not that you always have to be saying, oh, praise God for this and praise God for that. That can get a little bit overdone. What Paul's talking about and what he often says in, in several of his letters is the idea that whatever you do, you do it for His glory. Whether I eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so living your life as worship means if you're going to take a nap today, do it as an act of worship to God. God has given you the opportunity to have a little bit of downtime, to close your eyes, and to recharge your batteries. All glory to God. Nap for His glory. Okay, if you're going to eat, eat for His glory. To, to live your life in such a way that it worships God. That we present ourselves in, in whatever we do, whether it's going to work. You know, we, as we go to work, what are we working for? Are we working for the money? Are we working for our own self-fulfillment? Paul would say, work as an act of worship to God. Let your work be worship. Whatever your work is, let it be worship to God that I'm able to do this thing today glorifying God. That's what he means when he says to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. We would live as worship, not, not making an act of it, but just whatever we do, that it would be with him in mind. So if you're going to go see a movie, go see a movie with God. Enjoy it in him is the idea. Whatever we do in word or deed, do it in his glory. One of the things I think is interesting here is in verse 1 here, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And here's the here's kicker about how we live our life as worship. You know, I can't just go off and do whatever I want to do and say I'm worshiping God. Because if I'm living in a sinful way or if I'm making sinful actions or choices, are those things acceptable to God? Are those the things that he is pleased in? This word acceptable, it's also translated as well-pleasing or gratifying. It's stuff that God is happy with. It's not the idea that I have to work hard at making sure that he accepts me. That's not the idea here. It's the idea that he would find my sacrifice, my life, what I do and what I present before him, acceptable. This goes all the way back to Genesis where we see, you know, Abel offers a sacrifice that is pleasing to God, and Cain offers a sacrifice that is not pleasing to God, right? And several times when things happen, and Noah, uh, after the flood, Noah prov- uh, presents a sacrifice to God, and the, the Genesis tells us that God smelled the aroma, and it was pleasing to him. And he said, never again will I flood the earth. I'll put my bow in the sky said, I won't ever flood the earth for its wickedness. Because it was a pleasing aroma. And, and so the question becomes, how do we live a life as worship to God that therefore live in this way that would be acceptable? What is acceptable? What, what, what are the things I need to do? You know, if there's a, is it a checkbox that I need to make sure I'm doing the right things? What is a life that is acceptable to God? As I think about it, as I think about all, you know, what does God ask of us? Does he seek 
sacrifices. Uh, Hebrews 10 uh, tells us that you know, sacrifices and burnt offerings God doesn't desire, right? Jesus tells the Pharisees at one point, he says, you know, go and learn what this means. Sacrifices I did not require, but compassion is what I look for. Now, I'm completely butchering it, but you're getting the gist. He doesn't care for the sacrifices. What he wants is the compassion. David says, you don't really care about sacrifices. If, if you cared about sacrifices, oh, I would, I would sacrifice so many animals to you, God. But what you really care about is a contrite heart. And as, as people who have Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, we don't need to make any sacrifices for God that he would be pleased with us. We don't have to do anything because he's done it. So what is a life that is acceptable to God. I would say that Scripture shows us that God finds a life of faith pleasing or acceptable. What is, he, what, is it, you know, what is it about the offering that is pleasing to Him as He smells that aroma in our lives? God finds faith pleasing. That is the, what we need to have as we live our life as worship to God. We do that by living in faith. He's not looking for super spiritual people. He's not looking for people to go off and do great and amazing things for him. He, he, you know, Jesus told us to move mountains, did he? He never said, I am instigating a a movement of mountain movers. We like to look at what he said. What did he say? If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it would move. His focus wasn't on moving mountains. Sometimes we get into the idea of thinking we need to go and move mountains for God. So we want to go and do great things for God. And we want to serve Him in mighty ways when His focus wasn't on moving mountains. His focus was have faith. Just a little bit of faith will do many things. Just the focus is on faith, believing in Him, trusting in Him. God finds a life of faith pleasing. 11.6 tells us without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That if we don't have faith, anything you do, whatever you do, it's not going to please God. Because it's impossible to please Him without faith. And he says, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So what is an acceptable offering? How is it to God if we come at it through faith and we live a life of faith and worship to Him? Notice, Paul told us at the very beginning, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And I, I think what he means here, he's not invoking mercies of God. And, uh, you need to use the mercies of God. He's saying, because of the mercies of God, I am urging you. Because of what God has done, I am urging you to do this. There's a, a second way we can look at that. By the mercies of God. By His grace. That's how we live, isn't it? It, it, When you think about uh, how do we live out a life of faith that would be acceptable to Him, well, you know, this offering that we're going to give, it's not based on how good we are, right? It's not, not, oh, I'm going to do a lot of the right things and God will be pleased with that. No, it's it's a life of faith. And what is faith based on? It's based on His grace. 
is based on believing what he has said and, and trusting him and living our lives based on that. So as Hebrews 11.1 says, uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We don't necessarily see the salvation yet. We don't see the forgiveness of our sins yet. We haven't seen it fully. We have to trust. And when we start the road with God and, and we say, Lord, I believe you're going to help me with this. Maybe it's a sin in your life that is destroying things for you. Maybe it's upsetting how you live and you want it gone. And so often, what do we want to do with the sin in our lives? We want to cut it out ourselves. But he calls us to faith instead that we would trust that he will care for us, that he will take care of it. And we start walking that path with him. We start following him to get there. And when we came faith that's what we did we, we accepted Jesus Christ and we said Lord I know I've done all these things and I believe that you've forgiven me even it's it's faith because God never came down and said to you specifically I have forgiven you for this thing and this thing and this no he you know we take it by faith and then we experience the Holy Spirit in our lives and we have confirmation of that and there are times when we we step forward and we're not sure we might doubt, but faith, we have faith in Jesus. And so as we, as we offer our bodies, as we present ourselves a living and holy sacrifice to live our lives as worship to God and, and, and saying, okay, what God is pleased with, what is acceptable to Him is a life of faith, so I'm going to live by faith. And then every step of the way, how do we live? We live by His mercies. And we don't just live, we survive by the mercies of God. That, that's how we get by. It's not a, okay, I was saved, now I'm going to do it on my own. It's not a, okay, I was saved, now I've got the, the skills, or now I'm righteous enough that I'm going to do these things. No, we, we survive by His mercies. Just as Paul calls us and urges us to present our bodies because of the mercies of God, as we're presenting ourselves to God, we survive this life. We go through it every day by His mercies. And it's a daily, a daily thing. A daily requirement that we would say, Lord, here's my life. I pray it pleases you today. And then we, we, we walk by faith, trusting in Him. What has He said? What has He guided? What is He calling us to? You know, when, when, when a difficult situation comes in front of you and you've got options and you know that there are options and things you could do, maybe they're the easier things to do, but you know they're not going to please God. Maybe there are harder decisions, harder things, and, and they might not please a lot of people, but you know they're going to please God. And so what do we do? We step out in faith, trusting in Him, trusting in His mercy that He will provide. That's how we survive. Not by our own ingenuity, not by how good we are. We, we provide it to Him. In fact, even this, this Him calling us to present ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice that's acceptable to God. Uh, the, the, the word acceptable there, uh, it, it shows up elsewhere in Scripture and in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. Uh, the author of Hebrews, is, is, verse 20 is this long uh, glorifying of God. And he's basically saying, may God, who's done all these great things, equip you in every good thing to do His will. May God equip you to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing, that which is acceptable in His sight through Jesus Christ. 
So even the, the ability to live a life of sacrifice, to offer ourselves as sacrifices to him, that it would be pleasing to him, that it would be acceptable and a, a, a fragrant aroma for him, even that is done through him and his mercy. That he equips us, that he gives us the ability in every good thing to do his will. And that he is working in us. Even as we speak, he is actively working in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. If you've yielded yourself to him and focused your heart on him and said, you are mine, I, I live for you. And ask for your forgiveness of sins and follow Jesus Christ. Even if you don't feel like you're there yet, he is working in you. That which is pleasing in his sight. He is helping us grow in faith and trust in Him. A lack of desire for the things of this world. We, we provide mercies. That's how we live this life of faith. Finally, in verse 1 here, you notice he says, uh, this is your spiritual service of worship. Paul saying, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, he's saying that there's nothing else you need to do, really, to worship and glorify God. Present yourself to Him as a living and holy sacrifice. That you would present yourself to Him separate from all others, that you would cut yourself off from all other desires and be His. Not, not trying to live for God and the world, not trying to live for God and money, not trying to live for God in our own pleasure, but no, being His. That's our spiritual service of worship. And here's, a, here's the interesting thing about that word spiritual. It's only in the Bible twice, and the other time it's translated as word. Because the, the Greek word, uh, uh, it's an adjective, and the Greek word it's based off of uh, is logikos, which is where we get logic. It means reasonable. Your translation might even say, which is your reasonable service of worship. And, and the reason why it says spiritual here is because it's more of the metaphorical, not the literal sense. You know, that, that this is your proper, reasonable service of worship. This is what you need to do. Not to, not to literally sacrifice yourself. No, but that we would metaphorically present ourselves to God. That every day, not that you have to bind yourself up and, and sacrifice yourself. Not that you have to say, oh, well, this is my desire, and so therefore I'm going to sacrifice it and go do something else. Some people do that. You know, they, they feel a strong desire to go into the to law, but then they become, and they think, well, my desire to come into law is, is my own desire, and that's sin. So I'm going to stop going this direction. I'm going to go off to seminary and become a missionary instead. And then what you end up with is six years later, you end up with a very dissatisfied missionary because God never called them to that. But they thought they needed to sacrifice something for God. No, he doesn't mean a literal. Sometimes God calls us to give up things, yes. But he'll make that painfully aware for you. But no, that he says this is your spiritual. It doesn't have to be a literal where you sacrifice, but that you offer your body to him, that you offer your life to him, that you offer everything you are to him. And, and this word 
we say service of worship. It's a phrase that really only, it's, it's, it's one word in the original language. And we've looked at this word before. It's a word that means special service. Uh, you know, you, you, had, you had servants or slaves in, in, in the biblical times that, that were um, able to do anything. You know, they, they could dig a ditch, they could fill a hole. They could do anything that you needed them to, as long as it was small. And then you had servants who had particular skills. They had knowledge that was unique. And they would do a job with that unique knowledge. And that's what this word means. It's used of the service of the priests in the temple. Not everybody can be a a priest in the temple. Not everybody can do the service of the priests in the temple. Not even the Levites could do the job of the priest. And then even within the priests, not all the priests had the same roles and responsibilities. And only the high priest could do certain things. That was a special service, an act of serving that they had. And that's why it's called a service of worship because it's so closely tied to the idea of the priests serving in the temple that only they could offer the sacrifices. And then there were even special sacrifices that only the high priest could offer. A normal priest couldn't even do those things. Paul is saying to us, Offering yourself to God as a living and holy sacrifice, one that is acceptable to God, a life of faith, this is something which is your spiritual service of worship. This is the way you serve God in a unique way that nobody else can. Because nobody else can offer yourself to God. Nobody else can do this. This is something that you have the special techniques and tools to do because it's yourself. And here's the... Here's a great thing about what Paul's saying here. You don't have to go off and get some special skills. You, you don't have to give up plans and go to, to school to, to learn you know, how to be a missionary somewhere. You don't have to and go. No. Because he is the one, as we saw in Hebrews, he is the one who's equipping in you every good work. He is the one that's working in you. You have the special skills that you need because it's your own life. You are everything you need to serve God. And that sounds really humanistic. All right? I am not saying you in and of yourself are perfect, that you need no help. No. But you are everything you need to serve God. Which means that who you are, who He has created you to be, is what He wants. That's the living sacrifice. You are everything you need to serve God. You don't need special skills. You don't need to be able to sing. You don't need to learn an instrument so that you can get up here and start worshiping. Although if you know these things, it's always helpful. No, you you need to serve God. The only thing we need is to offer ourselves to Him, to present ourselves to Him, a living and holy sacrifice. He does the rest. And if we start looking around and saying, well, that person over there, they have gifts and stuff that I don't have, or that person over there, well, they've got opportunities and I'm just not in the right spot, that's the wrong focus. If we start thinking, I need to do something extra, I need to do something more that will be pleasing to God, I need to go and 
do something so that he'll be happy with me. I need to go do something so I can glorify him. That's completely wrong. You are everything you need to serve God. All you need to do is present yourself to him as a living and holy sacrifice by faith, out of faith, trusting in his mercies. He takes care of the rest. He starts guiding us in the ways that we're able to serve him. And he puts us in places. And maybe he just wants us to do a little thing. Maybe he wants us to do a big thing. But he'll put us there. And he'll be developing us and working with us. What Paul's calling us to do is to present ourselves to him. Not not to try to get on his good side. Not to try to, to win his salvation that he has given us freely through Jesus. But if you've received his salvation, if you've believed in Jesus and have decided to follow him, what do we do with that? We present our lives to him. A living and holy sacrifice. Living by faith because that's what's acceptable. That's what's pleasing to him. That we would trust what he has said. And I want you to know that you in who you are is enough. The, the bad things, the sins that we have, the, the that we have, his mercy overcomes that. All he wants for us to give ourselves to him. And then he will show you the rest. We don't have to often do it. You already are. And I'm not saying you're perfect. There are some pastors there, you know, they, they'll talk about, well, you know, he's just helping you become more of who you already were. No, no, no. Jesus is getting rid of a lot of dross in our lives. He is getting rid of all the filth, all the nasty in our lives and in our hearts. He is getting rid of that. Okay, But even that stuff, you are everything you need to serve him. Even in your sin, present it as a living sacrifice so that he might take care of it. That he might take it away from you. All that you are, needy, we bring it to him to serve him with it. He takes away what is bad and he helps us grow more like him. That's what Paul is calling us to though to give what we have. I hope that, I hope that this will uh, help us understand a little bit better what Paul's calling us to as we, as we look at this verse one last time. Would you say it with me again? Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your lives, bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. See, we always, I can still mess it up. May we present ourselves to him, a living and holy sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have done so much in our lives. You give us your mercy every day. You forgive us our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have given us your Holy Spirit to guide us, to live in us. We thank you, Father. And because of your great mercies, because of the grace you have shown us, we, we come before you to present ourselves, our bodies, our whole lives, as, as offerings, as sacrifices, not to pay, but to glorify you and to worship you.
We pray, Lord, for anyone here today who has never believed in Jesus Christ. They can't present themselves as a sacrifice. They haven't received Your grace. We pray, Lord, that they would see their need to believe in Jesus and follow Him. For us as believers, Lord, we might be focused quite often on what do we need to do for You? Remind us, Lord, we don't need to do anything for You but to present ourselves to You, to trust in You, to hope in You, to place our faith in You every day, that we would give You our work, our recreation, our rest, and pray that You would be glorified in what we do. We pray, Father, that You would call each one of us, that we would respond to You, to do that special service no one else can do that is ours alone to present ourselves to You. We pray, Lord, that You would guide us further up and further in a life of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.